Secure some price, the special S&P live on this BC Family Day, President's Day in the United States where the Vancouver Canucks lose 10-7 to the Minnesota Wild at the XL Energy Center in St. Paul, or I should say the BC Lions lose to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, football score, Blake Price. And for those of you I know it's gorgeous this morning, at least here in downtown Vancouver, for those of you who thought, you know, a gorgeous day, but I'm going to spend it inside watching the Canucks and Wild. Well, you were certainly entertained, just perhaps not the ending you were hoping for after the Vancouver Canucks blow a three-goal, 5-2 lead and get beat 10-7, the first time they've lost a game all year in regulation when leading after two and Blake, I don't even know where to begin in this third period because everything was happening. Well, where are Canucks fans going to draw their ire from here? Is it from the officiating, which certainly could have been better here, there, and everywhere? Uh, the discipline of the Vancouver Canucks, maybe, for the second straight game because a lot of these penalties actually were penalties. Yeah. Um, now, like, And I mean the officiating, my previous comment, like, how is there not a whistle on a 7-5 goal? Yeah. You know, things like that. Um, you mean the 5-5 five, five goal? I, I, you'll have to forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to forgive Was it the 5-5 five, five goal? The it chaos? was the 5-5 five, five goal. The uh, Kirill Kaprizov goal to even the scoring a minute and 23 seconds into the third frame. That was the second goal of the period for Minnesota because they get to within one 29 seconds in, still on that five on three because of the Canucks penalties. At the end of the second period, uh, second period, Mark Andre Fleury replaces Philip Gustafson in the goal for Minnesota to begin the period. We see Connor Garland back on the bench, and that was good news because we were wondering how bad he might be injured after taking that puck off the knee in the second period. But JT Miller, while killing off uh, the second Canucks penalty after the first Canuck is out of the box following the early goal from Erickson Eck. Throws the puck over the glass for delay of game. And then Kap Kirill Kaprizov, who winds up getting a hat trick in this game, one of three hat tricks in the game, Miller and Erickson Eck with the others. Uh, he scores after a long goal mouth scramble where the referee and McIsaac is on the spot, decides to swallow the whistle. Teddy Bluger is absolutely apoplectic after this goal, uh, but it's a one-timer from the right wing for Kaprizov following a mad scramble where, I mean, you won't see many scrambles in the goal mouth go that long without a whistle. Now, if the rule is the goaltender does have to have the puck under control, I'm not sure Casey DeSmith ever full-on freezes it. It's under Ian Cole. I thought there was one moment where he, he slides his legs together. He's on his back. And there's a, there's a moment there where he's on top of the puck with his legs together. To me, that's the moment. that That's where you blow the whistle. It then squeaks out. Cole jumps onto it. Um, now you don't generally blow the whistle when a player's merely falling on top of it. Um, but it was chaos. And, and, and so, you know, 
ultimately who's who or what is to blame for the loss. I, you know, you could point at the penalty killing, you could point at the officials, you could point at the Canucks' own discipline. Um, they scored enough goals to win. Do you point to Casey DeSmith? Do you, like, it, you know, he got victimized by momentum. I felt like after yes. after they tied the game, DeSmith lost himself a little bit there. Uh, I I think he uh, he he got Denis Lemieux shell shock there from slap shot, and you know it was a fait accompli that there was more goals going in. Um, there's also and a there world, was Blake. <laughs> there's also a world where the Canucks actually changed the tie. I mean, right after the six five goal, mm-hmm. Canucks have back to back shifts that are downhill in their favor. Mark Andre Flurry coughs up the puck in front of his own net. I mean, they were they were gifted that opportunity, but they also earned a couple of more opportunities. They easily could have scored a goal there. Mm-hmm. It's six six at that point, and they've sort of they've, they've put a tourniquet on yeah. on themselves. But they can't get that goal, and Minnesota continues to pile on. Yeah, well, the 6-5 goal is Erickson Eck on the power play. Uh, It's his hat-trick goal following the JT Miller hat-trick in this game. Yeah. Uh, It happens just 21 seconds after the Kaprizov goal to get the Wild even. Um, That one may well have been on Casey DeSmith. He seemed late in moving on over. It was three goals in the opening one minute and 44 seconds of the period for the Minnesota wild. And then, as you mentioned, the Canucks respond with a bit of a flurry. And then all of a sudden it all breaks loose on them. Uh, Quinn Hughes is beaten behind the goal by Marco Rossi who gains possession, gets it to the net front. Rossi winds up getting the goal, his 15th of the season. That makes it seven to five. And then 24 seconds later. So if you're counting at home, That's five goals in five minutes and 12 seconds for the Minnesota Wild off the period. Kaprizov scores his second of the game from Matthew Boldy. Six unanswered goals at that point for the Minnesota Wild. This one happens because Noah Juleson can't clear the zone. There's a pass to the front of the net. We talked about in the second intermission, Blake, that Kaprizov, Boldy, Eriksson Ek all look dangerous, and boy, did they break out in the third. Yeah, they uh, they were active all night long, um, and then once they got wind underneath their their wings, um, it was it was on for the Minnesota Wild. And, and uh, what what's troubling for Canucks fans too is I think uh, this felt like Bruce Boudreaux hockey a little bit. Yeah, you I know, mean there was maybe for the first time all year, Blake, the Canucks lo- looked completely disheveled, didn't know where they were going with the puck look to have utterly lost confidence on the back foot and allowed an opponent to take the game to them. It's okay, though, Matt. It's okay. They only face the Avs next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, After expending a hell of a lot of energy in this one. Right. Where we thought it could be a quiet day after 5-2. I mean, Minnesota had been the better team in the first period, did not get their just desserts. The Canucks had two goals on two shots were up three goals midway through the second period. And then the wheels utterly fall off. They do fight back somewhat valiantly. Nikita Zadorov with his third goal of the season. JT Miller, P.S. Suter on the assist. So that's a four-point night for Miller. That's a three-point night, all assists for P.S. Suter. A terrific play by Miller, too, to yep. set up the goal. And then, Blake, the Canucks get a power play, play when Jacob Middleton goes to the box 
for tripping five minutes and four seconds left down two, unable to convert, but then they pull the goalie for the extra attacker. And we talked about how Besser was looking dangerous and that perhaps that this was the night Besser would break his eight game scoring slump, goal scoring slump, given that was in his hometown, in his home arena where he's had so much success. He deflects a Quinn Hughes shot from the high slot. It's past flurry for eight, seven with two minutes and eight seconds left. Philip Peronic also drawing an assist there. JT Miller has a glorious chance with just under 90 seconds to play in the game. Uh, Alasno, Jonas Brodeen, Kaprizov at empty netters. It's a hand trick for Kaprizov. Boy, if you went to this game with a hat, you're probably leaving without one. After Eriksson and Kaprizov both That's see the ice showered. I, I, I 10-7. I, I know there's two empty net goals there, but there is uh, something um, startling. No, someone should have spot. got to 10 today. This game deserves somebody getting to double digits. It was, was that it Saturday night. There were two team? nine goal outputs. Like what's yes. with the, like we, we talked coming out Tampa of the, and... we talked coming out of the trade, uh, sorry, the all-star game. The game started to feel playoffy. Mm-hmm. Well, the last seventy-two hours <laughs> has been a little bit nutty here. It's uh, it was crazy. So the the question is: is how concerned are people about the proximity of a pretty bad outing versus the Winnipeg Jets mm-hmm. and a very bad for different reasons kind of outing uh, versus this Minnesota Wild team? I mean, this isn't a good look for the Vancouver Canucks. No. Although. It is only the third time all season where they've lost consecutive games in regulation. You have to go back to November 16th and 18th when they lost to Calgary and Seattle for the last time they've lost two in a row in regulation. The previous time was the second week of the season, October 17th and 19th. They lost in Philly and Tampa, respectively. They're still the only team in the NHL without a three-game Losing streak. It will be put to the test. Yeah, in Denver that's on the line tomorrow against the heck Colorado. of a way for them to uh, to bust their uh, record of wins and points after mm-hmm. regu- after uh, forty minutes too. First regulation loss. I mean, my goodness. Um, when you're going to do it, you might as well do it. Yeah, in, in a flurry. I mean, I, I honestly, it's a it's a shell shocked kind of game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a Canucks fan, based on what you've seen so far this season, Minnesota goes four for six on the power play uh, today. Uh, Canucks go one for three, so that's fair enough. Winds up being 51 shots in this hockey game, 27 for Minnesota, 24 for the Vancouver Canucks, and somehow we got to 17 goals. So Blake, if uh, if my math is correct here, that's a goal every three shots. The shooting percentage in this game was 33% with 17 goals on 51 shots. 51 shots. Neither team getting to 30. <laughs> like 30 is like what I think you like you expect in a 3-2 game. When it's 3-2, yep. you think, okay, the guy, the team with three goals probably got to 30 shots at least, mm-hmm. if not both of them. Nope, neither did in a 10-7 yep. game. JT Miller retakes the Canucks scoring lead in this game from Elias Pettersson. Pettersson manages just the one point, his goal, and it was a beautiful one. Uh, but Miller with a goal and th- uh, with three goals and an assist gets up to 74 points. Elias Pettersson at 73. Quinn Hughes has a couple of assists in this hockey game to get to 68 points. It's the type of night where everybody fattened up. We're asking at Sakaris and Price on 
Twitter and YouTube, our poll question, what's to blame for the 10-7 loss? You can vote for penalty kill, officials, discipline, goaltending. I'm somewhere between penalty kill and goaltending on this. Well, you know what? Discipline deserves, discipline a, shout deserves a shout out too. Uh, let's get to some of the reaction. Disturbed on YouTube. No excuse to lose to a team with almost $16 million in dead cap. Jeffrey, once they tied it up, or at least after the go-ahead goal, it was time to get Demko in. This Smith hasn't well, been good for a while. So they mentioned it on the TV side. Uh, I think there was a concerted decision here from Rick Tockett, perhaps in conjunction with Ian Clark, that Casey DeSmith was going to wear this Absolutely. one regardless. Yeah that they want Thatcher Demko tomorrow for the big showdown against the Avalanche. It's a busy week for the Vancouver Canucks. They have four games this week. They head off to Seattle on Thursday and then come back to face the Boston Bruins on Saturday. Uh, This is the middle of three games in four nights, of course, after the 4-2 loss to Winnipeg on Saturday. So, I think in normal circumstances, you would have seen Thatcher Demko at some point here, as you say, to be the tourniquet and stop the bleeding. But first of a back-to-back, two more this week, middle game in four nights of three and four. Uh, Casey DeSmith is going to wear this one. And the really unfortunate part is, while DeSmith had struggled somewhat here in his last five games for the Canucks, one, one, and three, peripherals weren't great compared to some of the outstanding goaltending he had given them earlier in the season with the number of starts that a backup goaltender gets, he's going to be digging out of this hole for the rest of the season. If he's able to dig back out to of back it. shutouts. Oh yeah. Because I mean, this thing is going to just destroy his goals against average and his save percentage after giving up that many goals. I mean, he gives up eight with the two empty netters, but on relatively few shots. And of course, uh, in the span of 60 minutes or not even crazy toy maker in, in on YouTube says Canucks were the better team tonight. I'm not concerned. Refs took center stage. And it's interesting to uh, look at the underlying stats from this one at five on five, the Canucks were the better team. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what did you tell me the expected goals were at one point well, in the game well, at five on five after the game, this is fully inclusive the entirety of the game at five on five expected goals 1.79 for the canucks 1.41 for the wild that, that's the expected goals at five on five now in all situations even in all situations the wild went at 3.7 to 2.48 so uh, I, again that does put some blame on goaltending here just a little bit the wild used both of their goalies the canucks probably would have under other circumstances um, at five on five, the Canucks wildly better stats um, in terms of uh, the Corsi and the shot share and all that sort of stuff. Like they, they were, there was just too much five on three. I mean, when it was the last time, if you recorded in your mind, ever seen four substantial five on threes, like that, that is bizarre because they were at minimum 60 seconds pretty much for the most part. I think all of them oh, were, yeah. I were think at least 60 might have seconds. Been just under, but it was three five-on-three goals in four opportunities for the Minnesota Wild. The Canucks killed a five-on-three in the first period, 
and then each and every time thereafter, they were five on three. And I was ready to earmark that one in the first period. As, oh. as a remember, we, we talked about the kill in, in Detroit, the seven minute kill. Yes. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this is another sign. The penalty kill is really rising. I made the mistake of tweeting it. So it's there forever. Um, well, we talked with Jeff on Friday where yeah. after they had crested 80% penalty kill, like Jeff, for the first time in three years, is their penalty kill actually good? And over the last couple of games, they've come. Now, I'll say this, Matt. Down. I'll say this. Five on three penalty kill is not a thing. Like, I, I don't judge a team necessarily for giving up goals five on three. This is the National Hockey League. You should be able to score five on three. I'd, I'd like that to be closer to 50-50. Like, if you, get, if you had four, I'd like them to score two of them probably. But scoring five on three, I mean, it should happen. If you've got 90 seconds of five on three four different times in the game, I would hope you get a couple of goals. So I don't necessarily think this is a sign that the Canucks PK is terrible, but no, but it's leaked oil here against Winnipeg and Minnesota, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, and you're playing a pretty darn good penalty uh, power play team in Denver tomorrow night. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Colorado had the top power play, at least last time I checked, I believe the avalanche were first in. The, nope. Oh, my bad. No, they weren't. Uh, Colorado, the eighth power play in the league now, converting it just under 24%. It's that Tampa power play that paces everybody. Here's the other thing I'll say about uh, about this game. You know, the uh, Wild thought they got to 5-4 after that drive to the net late in the second period. Yeah. Winds up with the puck in the net. Now, replay shows the puck creeps under the net after it's knocked off its moorings and video review takes the goal off the board, but there's no question that Minnesota had the momentum going into the dressing room after 40 minutes, Blake, and felt like, especially that they came back from five, two, it's five, three, but you know, in their view, it might've been five, four had that goal been allowed. And we talked about how desperate they were as a hockey club or are as a hockey club in chase of that final wild card in the Western conference they would have known that the team they are chasing, the St. Louis Blues, sitting on the second and final wildcard spot in the West, had lost to the Toronto Maple Leafs earlier this afternoon on President's Day in the U.S., a lot of matinee games going on. So they would have known that a win gets them even up in points with the Nashville Predators and just two back of the final playoff berth in the East or in the West. I think that's why you saw Flurry. Instead of Gustafson, I think that uh, John Hines on the Minnesota bench said, well, enough of this guy. We got to make sure we give ourselves a fighting chance in the third. And, you know, Mark andre Fleury is the type of guy. Hockey players play for the backup goaltender and for the guy who comes in mid-game to begin with. Uh, you'd have but he to wasn't think, very good. Flurry gave up no, he two wasn't. goals. No, he wasn't. He tried to give them a third. Like, but it, are they going to play for him? Yeah, absolutely. They're going to play for him, especially if you believe any of the talk that Mark Andre Flurry could be traded, and he's playing his last handful of games for the Minnesota Wild. So, um, anyways, first, first just a bananas hockey game. Like, clearly the craziest game of the Canucks season. First NHL game to feature three players with hat tricks since November eighth, nineteen ninety two. So there you go. Guys named Curry, Robitaille, and Mike Donnelly. <laughs> Y'all getting at least three for the Kings. Mike Donnelly. Yeah. One of these things is not like no. the other. <laughs> is that the LA Kings, Robitaille, the, and Curry? Yes, yes, okay. yes. Well, there you have it. Uh, how crazy was the game? 
First time in 32 years, you could see three different hat tricks in the same game. Yeah. Yeah, I I do wonder how they bounce back. Not only just because of the matchup, which is daunting, mm-hmm. um, but things become uh, sort of predestined when you get into a, a bad or a good run. Either way, they look like they forgot to defend. They look like they forgot genuine structure in the second half of this game, and without a practice, I mean, uh, do you morning skate the guys? Oh, no, I don't think so uh, at all. I do think you come with our steep Danes, though. Uh, fresh legs, and you'll get everyone's attention. A rookie uh, playing his first national You're going to play, play not, a rookie against little not, guys? Not to mention a local kid who's a, an incredible story. Well, I mean, how much did uh, Di Giuseppe wind up playing in this hockey game, Blake? I still, it's a veteran. I, I wonder if they've got the stones for that because oh, I'd come back. If you're playing, if you're playing the Kraken or somebody, sure, by all means. But he Giuseppe played nine minutes and ten seconds. Nils Amon played seven minutes and ten seconds. Uh, Amon wound up uh, losing all three faceoffs that he took. Uh, Di Giuseppe had a shot, a missed shot, a couple of hits, but yeah, I, I think I would come with our steep Baines. Um, just if, if for nothing else to get their attention, have them play for a, a rookie kid. And, and you know, it's funny because at one point in the second period, I think it was even Shorty, not Dave Tomlinson mentioned, the Wild trying to get the Canucks in a run-and-gun game, but that's more their style. Well, the Canucks are not exactly a great rush team. We've chronicled that over the course of the year. But they do have more offensive firepower than the Minnesota Wild, or at least they would just flatly on paper, uh, especially with all the goals, they're going to have scored. they're going to have three thirty goal scorers like next week. They damn near had it tonight. <laughs> they did. The if the game had one period left in it, you're right. They they would have had three by the end I of the mean, night. Besser gets to thirty one goals in this hockey game. Miller gets to twenty seven, and Elias Pettersson gets his twenty ninth of the season. So, yeah, I mean Minnesota wanted to turn it into a fast paced game after. Falling behind by three goals, they uh, succeeded, and they not only succeeded in turning the tempo of the game, they succeeded in getting the line share. Let me of ask you the this: whistles and power play opportunities, and made no mistake when given those opportunities. Rick Tockett and all coaches, but Tockett's good at this in particular. Uh, chooses when to be angry, uh, both outwardly and I think inside the room as well. Is this a get angry game for yeah, Rick Tockett? It might be. It might. I mean. You're picking your spot, blow a three-goal lead, lose 10-7. This would be a spot. There's there's times where they often zig where you think they're going to zag and vice versa. Um, if, they, if they can find a rallying point, hey, we were up against it, calls didn't go our way. You know, that's why they often blame the refs mm-hmm. um, because he takes the bullets then rather than the players. The players appreciate that yeah. and they fight for him the next day. Or do they just need to have their ears rattled a little bit? And he might do one thing outwardly and the other thing inwardly. He could yell at them behind closed doors and blame the refs outwardly. That That's possible as well. But I do wonder what we're going to see. Well, we're, we're about to find out. And Jeff Patterson will have that coverage on rink-wide Vancouver, which will be dropping in, oh, I don't know, an hour, an hour and a half from now. But, yeah, I mean, Tyler Myers took a shot at the officials on Saturday, Blake. Felt mm-hmm. like we were playing against two teams out there. If that gets back to Rick Tockett, then I would think that Rick Tockett might go a little easier on the official. I'll give Tockett this, and I, you know, I read it again today. Um, 
uh, off that JT Miller um, after hours hockey night in Canada interview on Saturday, where he talked about how he and Talkett are two peas in the pod. And um, I read, you know, they're both fiery personalities. How much fire have we actually seen from Rick Talkett this season? How much? He's been incredibly measured. Well, when you're in your first place overall, you're, you're going to have less He was reason. really upset after the loss in Philadelphia. I want to say the third game of the season because they no-showed and fell 2-0 in a barn and in a town where obviously he had made his name. Well, town, if not barn, wasn't the old spectrum. Mm-hmm. But I think he has been incredibly measured, incredibly thoughtful uh, in his communication to well certainly to fans and media we don't know what goes on behind closed doors but there haven't even been many opportunities on the practice ice where people have said oh look at talking he's really getting after them today so there's a, been a couple of practices where yeah, apparently he thought it got too loose and he had to to yell at them a little bit but yeah it, but blake we're we're, we're four we're more than four and a half months into the hockey season the first place here. Team, like two played two fiery practices is but when you're first, I mean, every what are you, team's going to have a couple of fiery practices where coaches upset oh, for by sure. this time the schedule. But you, so. At this point, he'd be guilty of manufacturing problems, though, if he was yelling at them more than that, because mm-hmm. they've been on such a roll. But, you know, even now, back-to-back losses, it, it feels worse than it actually is. It's just two losses in mm-hmm. a row. Um, you beat the Colorado Avalanche um, because let's let's say they nurse this one home at 5-3. to three, Right. But then get beat 4-1 tomorrow. I don't think anybody's sounding any alarm bells losing to the Colorado Avalanche. So if you reverse those two results and if they somehow find a way versus the Colorado Avalanche, uh, I think you're still where you thought you were going to be after these first two games of this road trip. So uh, that's the task, though. Um, And you know what? I'll I'll give them full credit if they find a way to return to their normal selves versus the Mm -hmm. Colorado Avalanche. Um, this was well, a weird one. It had extenuating circumstances. The five on three is ridiculous. You yeah. just, you don't see that. And that's why I think talking may well be very measured here. Yep. Uh, you, you don't see five on three, four of them in a game, three goals, five on three. Uh, the only thing this really does Blake, other than set up a, a, a potential third consecutive loss, which would be a first for the Vancouver Canucks. And they're the only NHL team not to experience that. Vegas is up 3-0 as we sit here and speak uh, in San Jose against the Sharks. Let's give them that two points. So now you're just 10 up on Vegas, who has a game in hand. Uh, You allow the Florida Panthers, if Mm -hmm. they were to win consecutive games, to tie you at 80 points atop the NHL uh, lead. Maybe even if Edmonton beats Arizona and they're – sorry, that game's now 2-2. You know, Edmonton creeps a little bit closer, uh, meaning that they're, what, 13 points back with some games in hand. I mean, first world problems, bro. Like, they don't need to sweat any of those things. No, no, but they, again, it's about nipping these things in the bud. And uh, Dallas lost today against Boston, so they get the one point. So they creep a little closer atop the West, but. Hey, I think about the Winnipeg Jets. They were scuffling along there. They were people thought they were in free fall. Well, they've won three in a row. They're back in the hunt here, you know, top seven in the league now. So, you know, you can bleed a little. 
You just got to keep it. You got to keep it at a little. Though. Where's That's that all. tourniquet you were looking yes, for? Yes. Yeah. Find five it. or was it seven? Yeah. Five, but it's all running together now. Uh, thank you for every everybody who's joining on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This show, as always, presentation of our friends at Applewood Auto Group. Yeah, I've got fabulous deals uh, up and down the lineup. Uh, head to Applewood Nissan in Surrey, Applewood Infinity in Langley, our two dealers of the day. It's all good at Applewood.